This is A Voice, a podcast with Dr. Gillian Kayes and Jeremy Fisher. This is A Voice. Hello and welcome to This is A Voice, Season 6, Episode 7. The podcast where we get vocal about voice. I'm Jeremy Fisher. And I'm Dr. Gillian Kayes. Okay, now before we tell you what the topic for today is, I want to say that there is a challenge that we're setting you from... Season 6, Episode 6, the last episode, which was ventriloquism. And the challenge is called the Creep Challenge. And thank you to the person who suggested that while watching the YouTube premiere. It's a great idea. It is a great idea. Uh, so the, the challenges are already coming in. Mm. Uh, what we want you to do is, since if you go to about eight minutes into the last episode, you will hear and see me, if you watch on YouTube, uh, do the first four lines of creep as a ventriloquist. And that is your challenge. Can you do the same thing? Are you actually up to doing this challenge? Can you record yourself, video yourself, which is, of course, great, because you mm-hmm. can see whether you're moving your lips and jaw or not. Sing me the first four lines of creep and upload your video and tag us. We now have just been awarded our handle for YouTube, which is at Vocal Process. Mm. So now we are at Vocal Process on Twitter and I think on LinkedIn. Instagram. Instagram and uh, YouTube. It's Facebook as well. Yeah. So just tag us with at Vocal Process and let's do a creep fest. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, that does not sound good. <laughs> Mind you, Halloween is coming up, yeah. so maybe that's all right. So what is the topic today? Well, we're going to be talking more about consonants because it sort of feels like, you know, building on the idea of what we were exploring in the ventriloquism. And also the previous episode, which was season six, episode five, Mm. um, we did consonants and tongue twisters on that one as well. Oh, I'm glad you remember that one. Yeah, I was thinking about consonants and how we use them in singing and, you know, very much as teachers and trainers and coaches how we coach our own trainers to think about consonants and to spot them. You know, sometimes there are difficulties with consonants that impact on how we use our voice. And we don't realise the problem is the word, not the voice. Yes. And in fact, when is a consonant not a consonant? Because you don't always do the same consonants depending on what style you're singing. Yeah, let's. I've chosen to explore the words stop and see me, Yep. which are actually from... Um, weird Romance, but we're not going to sing the melody from that because it's a Disney. It's a lovely song, by the way. If you actually don't know the song, yeah. look up Stop and See Me from Weird Romance. Great song. Yeah. Okay, so... But we aren't going to sing the tune. Yeah. We aren't. No. No, no, that's not the tune. No. Right. Okay. We're going to have to cut that out. That's just a <laughs> load of rubbish. <laughs> no, we're keeping it in. Okay, so let's go for... I'll, I'll just have a go and see what comes out, you yeah. know, if I think of it as my default... Stop and see me. Great. Okay, so Jeremy, what did you hear about the consonants there? Okay, so first of all, can we break down what consonants mm-hmm. are in there? Because there's quite a lot. Mm. S, unvoiced fricative. T, stopped consonant. Stopped unvoiced. St, no voice yet. Mm-hmm. Up, unvoiced plosive. P, and uh, nasal. And voiced, voiced nasal and d voiced plosive. <laughs> voiced plosive. D. Yep. S, unvoiced fricative. Mm-hmm. S, e, voiced nasal. Me stop and see me. Okay. So we've got quite a lot of the consonant categories there. And so that's can, the first thing. And can I just say with the S, it's not just any fricative. <laughs> 
It's not just any S. It's a voiceless alveolar fricative. <laughs> now, Enveloped in the finest chocolate. So the thing that I want to say is, you know, when you start unpacking something, you don't need to know those names. No. You know, there are some, uh, we talk about type, manner and placement in consonants. The thing that you need to know is what it feels like in your voice. What it feels like, what it sounds like, absolutely, yeah. And, and also, by the way, in what it feels like, what's moving. Yeah. So, actually, Jeremy, I'm going to get you to explore this. We think the best way to find where the consonant lives is to surround it with a vowel. Yeah. So, if you did that, let's do it, for example, with T. With oh, T. Oh, now... This is the trap that people fall into, and Gillian has already beautifully demonstrated it. Oh, the consonant is t. No, it isn't. That's a consonant and a vowel. True. So it's t, 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 which is, that's the unvoiced version. Mm. Okay, so if I surround it with a vowel, a, t, a, Now, I'm going to slow that down because I am doing a quotes correct consonant. We don't always use this version. But if I really slow it down, you will hear an extra thing. You hear the vowel, you hear a silence, you hear a burst of air, and then you hear the second vowel. Now I can make that burst of air stronger or weaker. Ata, ata is making the, vowel, the burst of air stronger. Mm. Ata, ata, ata is making it very weak. Okay, that's definitely the choral English choral tradition version. Okay, and let's just explain this. The English choral tradition. The reason that this is the case is that the conductor does not want splashy consonants, and when you have three or four, even three or four people doing ata. Mm. You don't get a crisp consonant. Oh, so then if I were to replace almost with a D, stop and see me. Yeah, interestingly, when you listen to it, stop, 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 that's a voiced consonant. That's not stop, that's stop. And, and then the S almost became a Z, didn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. I did that instinctively. Yes, you did. Oh, we're wandering around a bit, but uh, thank you for that. So, Jeremy, can you just demonstrate singing Ah Ta? Yeah. Ah Ta. Ah Ta, Ah Ta, Ah Ta. If you do it three times, you start to key into what is moving, what's happening, what's forming that consonant. The reason that we put a vowel on either side of it mm. is a vowel is unobstructed. There is nothing in the way of a vowel. The moment you bring any consonant in at all, there is an obstruction or a partial obstruction mm. somewhere. Mm. And the real fun with consonants is working out where the obstruction is and how much or how little you can make it. And also how much and how little you can move your mouth. So I'm going to challenge you, Jeremy. <laughs> We're back on the ventriloquism. Well, no, actually, in this case... I want you to see how little you need to move your jaw to make the t. Oh, okay. Depends where I start. But if I start in a fairly neutral, uh, fairly neutral, um, it's what I call the hanging jaw, which is the uh, the gormless look. Yeah. Ah, uh, 
ta ta I actually only need to move it a very small amount, but it does make my T slightly different. Yes, it does. If I move the, my jaw a bit more, I'll put my tongue in a slightly different place. And of course, if you're doing the S beforehand, the whole context of it is different, isn't it? it because we can't make is. the S with our jaw dropped. You're quite right. I don't think so. Anyway. You can as a ventriloquist, but that's not the version we want. So, I mean, what's interesting, or oh, we're getting so geeky here, Love it. is that your tongue is almost in the right place. It just has to move a little bit forward to make the T, doesn't it? Yeah. So we've got some air moving because we're on the fricative. Yes. That's good, useful, even though we don't have voice. And then we, the air has to be stopped with the T. St. St so could you sing or speak our star, our yeah. star? Yeah. And notice then my jaw has to move. Our star, our star, our star. If I change the vowel, our star, the, my jaw is still moving, but now my lips are in a different place. And if I change to easty, mm -hmm. easty. D. Now I can start the eval with a slightly cl more closed jaw and therefore there's less movement, but there is still movement. So you've just done very nicely um, steps one and two that we recommend when working with consonants. Surround the consonant, the target consonant, with a vowel, yep. preferably a neutral type vowel like an R or an O. Uh, yep. That depends very much on your linguistic background. Then surround the consonant, and in this case we were doing a consonant cluster, yep. with the target vowel, the o, o, sto, o, sto, which Jeremy did. Completely instinctively. I'd actually forgotten that was yeah, the word. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, you did it. Yeah. Okay. O, sto. And then sing the word. Sto. Stop. Absolutely. And then depending on where you are in pitch, because we would recommend, you know, if you've got to sing it on a really high note um, or a belted note or similar, that the best thing to do is sing it in a comfortable part of your range and then repeat steps one to three on the target pitch. Or even an interim pitch if the target pitch is really tricky. Okay. Yeah. So let me think about that now with the stop especially. Stop and see me. Great. Yeah. Okay. So tell me what you heard then. Um, I heard you do more of a stop at the end of the P. Mm. Um, so that the stop, the words stop and and were separated. Yes, very much so. Whereas the very first time you sang it, you ran them, you almost ran them together. There was a very small mm -hmm. stop, as it were, um, but they were almost run together, which mm. is a more lyric or classic way to do it. Absolutely. So I might put that in the lyrical MT, yep. you know, um, yep. rather than running all the words together, which I might have a go at in a minute. Yeah. Okay, um, let me try another version, because now what we're talking about, it's not just how it's made, it's not just how you manage it, it's not just the context of the phrase, it's the context of the genre. Yes. We don't do consonants in the same way um, between the genres necessarily, because the needs are different, to yeah. say nothing of the ex um, expressivity, which is another issue. Yeah. So, I'm going to try another version. 
Stop and see me. Good. Okay, you're in M1 now and you're doing many more stops and gaps between the words. Yeah, I've also gone down in pitch. Shall you I have, have another slightly. go? Stop and see me. Uh, okay, and there's an extra thing that you did mm. on the M, which is, I really have to listen to that back slowly, but I think what you did was you started the M on the upper pitch and slid down on the M. Stop and see me, Ooh. see me. Yes, because it's the way that I've got to get from the E to the M. So did I, where where did I pitch the consonant? Was it on, it was on the bottom note, wasn't it? I'm not sure. I think if we listened back, you pitched it above the bottom oh, note. Oh, you see, do, how me, we, see how we do these things really instinctively let to me manage do this. them? Let okay. me do it and slow it mm -hmm. down. Stop and see me. Stop and see me. I'm actually sliding on the M. Yes. I don't have to. Stop and see me. I can switch down to the M immediately I start it onto the lower note. Okay, so where we pitch the voiced consonants is also important. It is, it is. I mean, first of all, when you pitch a voiced consonant, because voiced consonants are basically pitchable. Mm. There are a couple like the voiced stopped consonants, like Bs. Mm and Ds, which are slightly awkward, but most voiced consonants can be pitched, which means actually you can do more legato on them. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing is it depends on which note you, whether you're pitching them on the note that you're leaving or the note that you're going to, or even a note in the middle somewhere, or even a note underneath it. And I want to demonstrate that last one. Mm. Stop and see me. See me. Uh, I use that occasionally for really strong emphasis of a word. Uh, what we have as we move between phonemes is we have what, what are called transitions. So how we move from, say, a closed mouth position to an open mouth position or the tongue is moving position as well. And sometimes we have to manage that. And then we're managing that in the context of transitions between pitches, in other words, with melody. And there's quite a lot to process. And I think often we're not really aware of that. I mean, I, I did some things without even thinking about it. But I think a lot of singers do that. And I think that's absolutely fine. Mm. Your, your job, if you like, is to share your self vocally with the listener mm. and therefore anything that you do really is your version um, and there's a lot of there's an awful lot of things that you do instinctively automatically um, and it's only when, when you hear podcasts like this and you go what am I doing at that point that where it gets quite interesting because then when you become conscious of it it's possible to either keep it do it exactly as it is or change it. And here's a thought. I mean, I'm going to do something that might be negative practice because I think what often happens, particularly with inexperienced singers, you know, well, our mouth is open when we sing, right? And then we've got these consonants that get in the way. And a lot of us spend time um, developing our voices on vowel-based exercises. Hello, here come the words. And we do this. Do what? Stop! And see me. Okay. 
okay, if you're not watching this, if you're listening on the podcast, Gillian is actually moving her hands, flapping her hands up and down and flapping her jaw It's what we call down. crocodile mouth. Now, that, <coughs> that's not working too badly in my M1 version, where, in fact, I'm pretty much putting a space between each note. I don't know if this is going to work, Jeremy, but let me do the same thing in a more lyrical flowing style. Stop and see me. It doesn't actually work. But yeah. I mean, I mean, auditorily, it works. The sound works. Um, visually, it's a little odd because it looks like you're eating something. <laughs> <laughs> Watch the YouTube channel. I think the other thing that was interesting was I did a whole load of cheats. I did stop. Oh, stop voice, and okay. So change the P to the B. Stop and see me. You didn't really do the D. That's correct. You sort of glazed over the D, mm-hmm. um, and you almost didn't do the M, which was interesting. You almost replaced it with a B. Oh, oh I did a bit of ventriloquizing. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not even going to attempt it again because I don't know <laughs> if it's going to work. <laughs> You're so much better at repeating. I'd be crap in the recording studio. I am in a recording studio. You are, yeah. Yeah. Um, It is interesting (laughs) that, and, and you know, we're getting quite complex and we're getting quite sort of nitpicky about this. Geeky. Honestly, go to the musical style that you're in first. Mm. If you are singing opera, the most important thing in in opera is the length and quality of the vowel. Mm. You know, the, the, the consonants... Um, and, of course, the opera singers are going to, to um, come and complain at me in droves. And I'm going, yeah, work with a Royal Shakespeare Company actor. And they will tell you how consonants work. Stop and see me. And it genuinely, because we've, we've actually experimented with this. Um, if you get an opera singer to sing the sort of consonants that an actor on the RSC stage does, they go nuts. Because they can't do any line, they can't do any, they can't maintain the the quality of the sound. And actually, functionally, it doesn't work. That's correct. Yeah. So anyway, there's a little bit of contention for you. Yeah. Um, It's really interesting that we're talking about consonants and how they work, but there are so many styles where, I mean, rock, you tend to drop the final consonants in a lot of the words. Stop. Yeah, you know, pop, I mean, it's a, it's about a mood, it's about a vibe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you wouldn't necessarily spit all your consonants. And by the way, let's talk microphone versus acoustic. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a microphone in front of you, up your nostril, you definitely do not want to spit consonants mm-hmm. because it will just pop the mic. Absolutely. So sometimes in, in certain pop styles, in certain contemporary commercial music styles, you... You change the consonant. You don't do it or you miss it out or you change it to a voiced one or you soften it or you lose the the, um, the explosion of air. You do all sorts of things. This is going back to context, isn't it? Yes. You know, um, in, in the larger context, we've got, is it acoustic singing or is it amplified singing? That's yeah. going to impact on the way you sing your consonants. It is. What about the genre? What about the style? What about the vibe? Um, what about the position in the phrase? Uh, what about the position in your voice in terms of where it is in your range? Yeah. Um, loudness levels, etc., etc. Um, plus, what is it you want to say? If I want to say, for God's sake, stop, stop and see me, then I'm going to make the p k 
come earlier so that there's a bigger space in the musical phrase before I sing and. Yeah. Make sense? Yes. Again, a lot of this we do on an instinctive level, but because so much work we do is with teachers um, and with uh, choral leaders, actually, it's very good to... um, unpick to reverse engineer what are the decisions that we're making because it makes it much easier for our clients and students and for our choral people. I had um, one of our teachers report the other day that um, one of our cohort 21 that they'd done a little bit of vowel tuning with them and you know got everyone to feel what they were doing with their jaw and their tongue when they made their vowels and the choir absolutely loved it mm. we'll have to do a podcast on that sometime very that much be fun so it? i was just going to say why are we banging on about consonants why are we here yeah. Um, And the answer is because sometimes what sounds like a a vocal issue or a technical issue or somebody can't sing the phrase or can't get the notes or can't get the rhyme, whatever it is, Mm. sometimes it is actually a consonant issue. Stop and look at the text. And sometimes, particular, interestingly, it's particularly on high notes. You know, you have, in fact, I, held, I wrote a whole article on this, which I published and then put in the book, uh, Why Do I Need a Vocal Coach, mm. on um, belting the money note. And there are so many issues when you have to put consonants in a belt sound because you're high up in your range and you're doing powerful sounds. There's that famous moment, isn't there, in The Girl in 14G, where she's been sort of singing in different styles, but none of them with belt, and then she suddenly yells, Stop! Isn't that on our belting explained um, resource? I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. But even if it isn't, I also do a consonant thing on Mastering Musical Theatre, which Mm. is in the Learning Lounge. Mm. Uh, We'll put all of these links in the show notes at the end. Oh, and if you're curious about vowel tuning, just... Uh, also head to the Learning Lounge because it's in Vocal Process Best, best practice, practice Update. Yes. Yeah. Okay, now we are jumping around a lot. I want to come back to why are we doing consonants? Why are they so important? Mm. And the answer is because consonants interrupt the sound in some way. Mm. They, they either, change the airflow. They change the airflow. And mm. when it, it depends what instructions you're holding in your head. If you're singing something and you want it to be really smooth, if you're doing, I don't know, um, trance, and you want it to be really, really smooth, and you have all of these interruptions, mm. then you've got to minimise the interruptions. But in order to do that, you really have to know where that interruption is. And this is why I love consonant work, because mm. if you say to a singer, you know, that B is a problem on that note, but the reason it's a problem is because you're gripping your lips so tightly to make it strong that you're actually interrupting the whole vocal setup that you're doing... What do you need to do to make a B? How little do you need to do it? Can we just explore that on this podcast right now? Yes. Okay. So I have no idea. You have where no he's idea going. where I'm going with this because I've just had a thought of something I want to share in a moment. But you, know, you go. Okay. Um, let's do uh, the word by. So if you do by, the first thing you do is close both lips. It's a bilabial stopped consonant. By. So the airflow stops, the lips close. By the way, your soft palate closes, raises and closes as well. Mm-hmm. So there's no air coming down your nose. Mm-hmm. Just experiment with this. If you did a bilabial consonant, but you allowed air to come down your nose, you would end up with hmm. So B and M have the same lip 
uh, closure. They're both bilabial. They are both bilabial. Yes. But the B has the soft palate closed as well, raised and closed as well, mm. whereas the M doesn't. So air is coming out with a B, air doesn't come out. So you're doing your stopped B. 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 And if I said to you, I want your B to be louder, what is it that you do? Mm. Because there are basically two ways of doing it, as far as I'm aware. One is that you bite your lips harder. B. And somehow it allows something much stronger to come out. The difficulty with that one is that really disturbs the larynx. And the reason for that... Likely to change, to disturb your pitch. Yeah, the reason for that is it's a voiced bilabial closure. Remember with the P, it was unvoiced. So if you put your finger here on... P, P, P. Yeah, all right, all right, get over it, yeah. (laughs) They they know what I mean. Um, If you pop your fingers on the larynx and go... Is that good enough? Yeah, absolutely. So Gillian's um, <laughs> alternating between P and B. Yeah. Um, but and with the... Um, what you're feeling for is you will feel a slight voicing, a slight vibration on the B, B, as opposed to the P. Okay, Gillian's put her fingers together on the front of her throat so that you can feel the larynx. And you can feel on the P, you don't feel anything on the P, nothing vibrates under your fingers. Mm-hmm. But when you do the B, P, B. But you do feel the vibrations and that tells you it's a voiced consonant. And the consonant isn't made with the larynx, just to be clear that you can feel the difference between no vibration on the p and some vibration on the b. And you just get a little bit of feedback if you do that with your fingers. Yeah. So the first the first way is to bite your lips harder, and a lot of people do this, is that they make the pressure at the front of the, the consonant, if you like, the front of where you make the consonant, mm. much harder, much tighter, and that has a huge effect on your larynx going backwards. It's going to give you a lot of back pressure. It is. Yeah. Mm. So the next, the the other way, and we talked about this in season six, episode five, which was consonants and tongue twisters. Mm. Um, you can either kick the consonant, which is what I've just done, or you can elongate the consonant. And the way you elongate a stopped consonant is to make the silence longer, mm. which is totally counterintuitive. But when you do by, by, mm. Some signal goes to the audience's ear or the listener's ear that tells you that something is happening, but they can't hear it. They can't hear anything. So they're sort of waiting a little bit Mm -hmm. longer and with a bit more anticipation or a bit more attention to see what's going to happen. And they're processing already. Yes. So interesting. Mm. I want, if you haven't listened to season six, episode five, go back and listen to it because we do this whole thing about um, uh, kicking or elongating consonants. Mm. And I am a huge fan of elongating. Mm. Mm. Much easier to do once you get your head around it. Cool. Okay. Have we done? Have we done enough? <laughs> Have we done enough for now? Okay, so that was one consonant. Now let's go and do all of the others. No. No. That's quite enough for them to think about. Go no. we don't want to give give them everything um, deconstructed. What, what we do do, this is on uh the five days to better singing teaching, day four. Yeah. We do quite a lot on consonants and then we go into breakout rooms and we help people find where consonants are, what they are, how they're made, how to do them, and also 
most importantly, what the dangers are. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. consonant has a has a potential danger or a potential way of doing it less efficiently. And there is, and this is where I think it's so useful for singers and singing teachers, mm-hmm. is that because we break it down, and we're, we're quick at doing this, we break it down and go, here is a, a very efficient way of doing it, and here is an, not an efficient way of doing mm-hmm. it. This will disturb other things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And we get people to do negative practice. Mm-hmm. We get them to do it wrong. I love getting people to do it wrong. Mm-hmm. You so often learn so much when you deliberately do something wrong. It's the joy of wrong. So we'll put the link to the Five Days to Better Singing Teaching in the show notes as well. I think that understanding about consonants and decisions about them is a game changer. Really is. Really is. And I know the vocal coaches and collaborative pianists who who listen to this are going to love this. They're going to say, thank God, (laughs) they'll start singing in time. What are they going to say? They'll start singing in time. Thank God. God. (laughs) Okay, that's enough from us. Uh, We've got a great episode for you coming up, but we'll tell you about that when we see you next. Bye. This is A Voice, a podcast with Dr Gillian Kayes and Jeremy Fisher.